Here now is an exclusive CVBT audio interview on an issue that impacts business and the people who do business here in the Great Central Valley. Well, 2019 has been a pretty good to a really great year for most companies, except for one little thing, recruiting and retaining top talent. Well, with everybody in the same boat, when you lose top talent because of bad morale, well, that's got to be one of the dumbest things to hit any manager. But, Doug, before we talk about your ideas on how to build and maintain morale, let's set the table for our listeners a little bit by giving them, if you would, a bit of a sketch about your background. Sure. Um, Thanks for asking. I'm a um, 30-year hotelier, and... My job literally for uh, the majority of that time was was traveling around the world, opening new hotels, predominantly for the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, in locations where we didn't have hotels. And that meant going into emerging markets, third world countries, um, basically the, the life serial Mikey version of the hotel business. Well, nobody wants to go there. Let's send Doug. And, and that's what I've done. And, and that's what's led me to my love of understanding cultures and to your uh, introduction, why they can be so incredibly powerful or detrimental to uh, the existence or, or liveliness of a, a company. Well, you have put a lot of your ideas into a new book. It's got a pretty provocative title. Would you tell us what it is? Sure. Uh, I tend to be uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek, but I've seen this from years of watching other people. And the title of the book is, If This Book Doesn't Help, It Might Be You. And uh, what do you mean by that? (laughs) Great question. And the, the, the short answer is, I've tried to encapsulate questions and answers and opportunities for young leaders, new leaders, old leaders, C-suite leaders, um, to be able to stimulate conversations in their work group, whether it's at the board level or at the line level, um, that can identify where the company is not performing its best. And and, and therein lies the part of, of my sarcasm, if you will. This is so complete with so many topics that we cover that, you know what, if, if you can't solve your problem or at least start to discuss your problem based on answers that are in the book, then it really might be you. You really might consider having somebody else lead the topics of conversation. If that would be almost giving up your role as a, a manager, though, wouldn't it? It it would, and therein lies the reason that, I, in my opinion, um, a number of companies and divisions and departments fail because rather than asking for help um, in terms of how to become a better manager or a leader, they people tend to simply just say, well, I know what I'm doing. I don't need anybody's help, or this is the way I've been managed my entire career. So 
I'm going to give you exactly what I've gotten. And all this is, quite honestly, Douglas, is, is a way to stimulate a conversation for new leaders or old leaders that are looking for new ways to say, you know what, what I've, what I've been trying isn't working or the culture that we have in our company isn't working or we have exceptional turnover. Why? Well, this may open your eyes a little bit to some of the reasons but more importantly, to the to a way to address um, and identify solutions. When you were trying to apply this while working for the hotel chain, and, and that hotel chain is known for attracting the best and the brightest, so perhaps this never became a problem, but did you ever have a problem getting it across to any of your managers? When I was fortunate enough to work with Ritz-Carlton, no. That was the foundation of um, my growth as a hotelier, really the foundation of this book is that we had a very strong culture that we enlivened, encouraged, discussed every day. But I, I had this, this silly idea that once I left that company and went to work on my own, consulting for other companies or working for other companies in helping them build or create their cultures, that everybody was going to be like a Ritz-Carlton. And I learned the hard way that the majority of the leadership, managers, et cetera, that I came into contact with operated from a philosophy that I re refer to as my time now. Um, what do I mean by that? It means that they've really gotten no formal help or transition support in going from line employee to manager, what they, not, what they know is, well, this is how I was treated when I was coming up through the ranks, so it's my time now to treat you the same way. And I know I'm being very generic, and I understand that, but the, the reality is um, there's not a lot of, of effort really driven day to day from the senior most levels of the organization to create, develop, maintain, and sustain a culture, a positive culture. That seems like a terrible problem to have because when you look at these folks you're trying to promote from line level to uh, uh, upper management or mid-management, they come with an awful lot of skills and experience that you want to tap. But how do you tap that and avoid having the do-it-my-way because that's the way I was taught approach. Well, a big part of that is empowerment. Um, we and and, there, and this goes to the heart of really determining whether your culture and your organization is working or not working. And empowerment is a is a a big word, often overused. Um, but in in a lot of cases, and in, in most cases that I've had experience with. It, the philosophy is do it my way, um, do what I say, not what I do. Um, I'll tell you when to talk, um, you know, and, and, and very rarely does the leader have the self-confidence and the, the will and ability to trust and take uh, chances with his or her employees and, and empower them to make decisions. And not everybody's gonna get it right. And I'm not saying abdicate, and there's a big difference between abdication and empowerment, but you wanna tap their, their untapped potential and you wanna 
you want to be able to give them the ability, the pride to own uh, decisions and opportunities. But you can't, they'll never take that as, as an ownership if, they, if the employees aren't made to feel like you trust them and, and they can make mistakes without repercussion. This sounds like a pretty long-term way of going about things. How do you manage to do that when your boss is hammering you to improve each quarter? Well, in in my experience, it it really starts at the the root of the company, the culture, which is the hiring and selection process. Um, I used to, I worked for a great man by the name of Horst Schultze when I was with Ritz-Carlton, and he used to say, that you know the the old way of hiring somebody was to shake their hand, and if you felt a heartbeat, you'd hire them. Um, and, and and that was very true. And and one of the things that we did as a company, and one of the things that I've continued to do, both in my personal and professional um, experience, is to concentrate on behavioral um, behavioral reactions, behavioral disciplines, behavioral learning, not personality, not personality types, uh, not things that say, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Or, you know, if you were an an animal, what animal would you be? This is more situationally, behaviorally driven. So you hire the people from the very beginning that support the culture that that you want to continue every day. Now, to, to answer your question directly, very hard, and uh, to you know keep the bosses or the corporate, the board, et cetera, at arm's length um, when you're trying to turn a culture around. But you have to believe in it. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to have the, the ability to sell your idea. But you also, uh, there's there are plenty of examples in the marketplace today of people that have had very strong cultures and have been very, very successful. And when I say strong culture, I mean organizationally positive strong, not there there can be equally negative strong cultures. Yeah, and we think of some of those companies in addition to uh, Ritz-Carlton, uh, perhaps Apple and uh, several of the other uh, high-tech companies in Silicon Valley, as offering a pretty good example, or am I going too far afield? No, um, they're all different. They all appeal to a type of entrepreneurial spirit. They all appeal to a type of a trained person. But then you add service companies like Southwest Airlines and what Herb Kelleher did. Um, you, an example of you know creating a culture. It goes back to the foundation of what makes people want to come to work every day. And it, it could be different things for different age groups. It could be different things for different um, um, skill sets. Um, but what we've learned in the hospitality industry and what I've learned further in, in all of the study and the research that I've done is that people want to feel welcome. People want to feel like they're allowed to contribute. People, people want to feel like, like their voice matters. And so many times, uh, um, senior leadership either doesn't have time or doesn't take time to remember that. Uh, Doug, one thing you suggest in your book is a daily meeting at the start of the day 
Would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, very much along the lines of setting a, a positive mental uh, framework during the course of your day. When you get when you get to work, it's Monday. It's Monday today, and I'm sure things happen with you today. Things happen with me today that that causes us to either be in an, in an amazingly great mood or maybe not so much. Um, and the, the meeting, depending on the topics that you're trying to solve in your organization or your department or even in your family, it's, it's simply about keeping the lines of communication open. So you identify a, a topic um, that's important to you for that day or, or that work period, and you talk about it. You talk about it openly. You talk about what the solutions are. You talk about what the problems are. Um, but you talk also about the, the good things that are keeping you, you know, involved in trying to solve this. And my book, if this book doesn't help, it might be you, gives young managers and leaders um, suggestions on various topics that at some point in time will affect different organizations. So you don't have to read the book cover to cover. It's, it's more like a recipe guide to, I've got a problem with morale. How do I deal with this? Oh, that's on page 356. Or I've got a problem with um, work performance and behavior. Oh, okay, well, that's on page 221. And it just gives the young leader and manager talking points so they aren't going into this conversation blindly, not really knowing what to ask, not knowing what to expect, but helping them guide the conversation to a productive end. One thing you have done in this book that is most unusual is you have a note to parents uh, about something called the Hug Your Kids Foundation. Would you take a minute to talk to our listeners about that? Sure. Um, and we, I am, I am um, celebrating, if you will, this week, the unfortunate life, death of my 17-year-old son, um, who he he passed away um, from a, from a, an encounter with a a plant that grows wild all over the world. It's called jimson weed. It's the fourth most deadly botanical on the planet. It's been around since the 1700s, and its seeds are toxic. And my son, Griffin, who this book was dedicated to, which is where the Hug Your Kids Foundation came from, was one of those kids that could always see the positive in the most negative of situations. He he was that kid at the age of 17 that would walk up to somebody he didn't know and say, you know, you look like you're having a bad day. Do you need a hug? And he genuinely meant it. And so the Hug Your Kids Foundation um, was founded with the, hoping the ability that all the, the income generated from this book would simply go to a lobbying effort to try and let Congress and Senate in the United States realize that this botanical is out there. It's, um, it's not uh, regulated at all, and it's a killer. And there have been plenty of kids uh, and people, animals uh, alike that have, been, that have died at the, because of the interaction with Jimson Weed. Um, so that's how Hug Your Kids, the Hug Your Kids Foundation was launched. 
Um, and we've, we've really been spending time trying to get Congress to, to realize that it's, it's a dangerous plant. And yes, we have gun violence, and yes, we have opioid crisis, and, and there are lots of things in our communities and world today that we need to be aware of. This is one as well. Where, where can our listeners get more information about the foundation? Um, if you would go to HugYourKidsFoundation.com, that, that's our website, and it, it gives you not only information on what the plant is, um, Jimson Weed, Belladonna, um, many people hadn't heard of it before we interacted with it, um, but there's also a video um, that really speaks to the loss a mother felt when she lost her son, and some of the... Um, reactions that kids who come into contact with Jimson Weed have, and it's really quite frightening. Well, Doug, you have taken uh, us down a number of different paths here, uh, to say the least. Uh, what would what would you like to add that I haven't uh, yet asked you? I really think, uh, Douglas, that the, the, the core foundation of creating maintaining, keeping a culture is for senior leadership, senior managers, new managers to recognize that it's okay to ask for help. Asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. And for those of us that have ever worked for really, really bad managers, um, and I think we all fall into that at some point, we learn the things that we shouldn't do when we lead people, but how much time do we take learning the things that we should do? Um, and most times we don't have time, we, we don't have the energy, it's been a busy day at work, whatever. But that's why this book, um, if this book doesn't help, it might be you, was written because it's a daily recipe. If, if you are having a problem in your organization or your department that you don't know how to address, how to understand, um, I suspect there's a, there's a topic in here for you that will help. Now, one last thing for those listening, and that is, how can they get in touch with you for more information? My um, foundation, Hug Your Kids Foundation, um, has my email address, but my company is nexushospitality.com. And my email address is dbrooks at nexushospitality. This has been another exclusive CVBT audio interview. If you found this interesting and informative, please tell your friends where you heard it. And feel free to download the audio for your reference. You are tuned to CentralValleyBusinessTimes.com, the place to go for business news of the great Central Valley.